couple of quick things before we walk into our, our message. I want to give you a couple of updates here. Um, first, just a reminder that Beth Guckenberg will be here next week um, joining us. And uh, if you've never heard Beth speak, it's a real joy. It's a real treat. One of the best storytellers you'll ever hear um, and one of the best people you'll ever meet. So that's exciting for next week. Also, um, we've been going through some network changes um, at the office. And so uh, if you're not being able to get through to some people, um, we apologize for that. You might want to call the church office and just find out, you know, make sure the emails are working. For me, it, it used to be Jeff Greer and Jay Greer at grace-chapel.com that worked. It's only Jay right now. So, um, and for Brian, I know you've been trying to get a hold of Brian. He's not ignoring you. He's just not receiving it. So we're working on that. He has a Mac, and we're trying to switch over. So we're going through a lot of changes there. Really upgrades. We're getting to the 21st century here at Grace Chapel when it comes to some of the tech stuff. So uh, be patient with us. Um, another thing is I wanted to give you um, just an update on our, our facilities here. Uh, we are very close to being finished with, we're finished with the front. We're almost, we're almost finished with the back section. Right now, uh, starting next week, we'll finish up a lot of the work this week, and then we're going to start painting the ceiling and the walls. And so by the end of next week, hopefully we'll have basically a white box um, waiting for the floor to come. Uh, bad news on the floor is that if we wait to get the free floor, we're going to be waiting too long, and we really need to pull the trigger. So um, I really want to encourage you, as, as this whole summer, I've really been going, stepping out in faith and m- moving this project forward before the money actually comes in. Um, I've been dig- you know, going into the, the buffer if I needed to, uh, holding back on other things. But I just, I just want to really encourage you this morning, if, if, if that's something you feel led of the Lord to participate in, I didn't want to have a big capital campaign for it. But we're going to have to pay probably about thirty dollars or $40,000 to put that turf floor in. And then that section's finished. And we'll have three-quarters of that building completely finished. We'll have about 1,200 people a week coming in to use that building. The reason we really can't wait on the floor to come in is because we have people who need to be in there in November. They want to rent it from November to April. Um, And some of these groups are not really Christian groups, and it's a great opportunity for us to reach out to our community um, we're hiring a full-time person, a pastor of sports ministries, to, to be in there working with those folks full-time. So that person will build relationships and encourage people and support the, the people that will be over there. Not only our own people, obviously, but also people in the community. Because it's going to take a full-time person to run a 40,000-square-foot building like that and keep it, uh, keep it effective. So I want to encourage you. We're coming to the very end here. When it comes to this section of the building, we still have our children's wing we need to finish off, but um, we're, we're down to the, to the last few weeks. Uh, if anyone feels led of the Lord to maybe give a little extra, because to tell you the truth, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order the floor, so you guys got to come through, okay, because I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to pray that God, you know, continues to bless us. But uh, it's a great, great, great opportunity for our church to have a, a full-size basketball court, a full-size soccer field there. Well, not full-size, but a large soccer field. And, uh, and we already have people who are saying, yes, we want to come in and use the facility. Um, and it'll be a true blessing, not only for all of us, pick up games and for the youth and children, but also for our community. Because there's not sport, you know, sports fields, indoor sports fields are hard to come by, especially with all the sports we have going on in our area. This will be a great opportunity for outreach for our church and for helping the church continue to grow. So I want to encourage you there. Last but not least here. Um, pizza 
right behind us, this wall right behind us at 1245. I uh, want to encourage people who have come over this summer, maybe don't have all their questions answered, want to get to know me a little better and some leaders a little better, have some free lunch. Uh, let's meet together behind here at 1245, and I'll walk you into the other building and kind of show you around what's been accomplished and what still needs to be accomplished. All right? Awesome. trying to show commercials here like we do they do for movies or anything we should charge them um but really that that really fits into what we're talking about this morning and i i i think it's a great advertisement because it's, it's true uh, the impact that you have when you reach out and make a difference in people's lives when you make when you live a life that honors god it spreads it impacts the lives of others and they go out and impact even more people. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 21, it says, Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. You know, this is the last Sunday for Proverbs. I think it is the longest series we've ever done here at Grace Chapel. And I have absolutely loved it. I'm, I'm sad to see it end, but I'm excited for the next series coming up. Um, but it's made an impact on my life, and I know it's made an impact on many of your lives. Um, and, and this morning's kind of the end, so we, we, we bid it a, a fond farewell, obviously. And I would want to encourage you, if you haven't finished reading the book of Proverbs, please finish, okay? We, it was our kind of our homework assignment for the summer to read the book of Proverbs. I hope a lot of you not only read it once, but read it more than once, because it will have a profound impact on your life. So Proverbs 21, 21 says, whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. As a follower of Jesus Christ, following after righteousness and love is really walking in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, following in the footsteps of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And John, John chapter 2, verse 6, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So let's get right to it this morning. Here's the reality. Even if you're living a life of righteousness and love, you can still run into trouble. Even if you're walking in the footsteps of Jesus, life can still be tough. Life can still be a challenge. We're under so much pressure right now. In so many areas of our lives, we're often spinning so many plates. We're often spinning too many plates. You have pressure of taking your kids to all their games and, and uh, you know, making sure you keep up with your home, especially in the summertime when the grass keeps growing. You have inside things. You have outside things. You're trying to keep up at work. You're trying to keep up at school. And you have all these pressures on you. 
You have pressure physically and emotionally and financially. And if we're not careful, we can get overwhelmed by it all. We can get so overwhelmed, so stressed out that it has a physical effect on us. But we need to remember through all of that, God sees our struggles. He, 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 can, he can sense the stress. He knows the stress that we go through. And we have a God who cares about every detail of our lives. He understands what we experience. Jesus said in, in uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Peter, Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And then David says in Psalm 55:22, "Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall." Now, I know there are people in this room who have heavy hearts coming in here this morning. You're struggling. You found out some news that you were hoping you wouldn't find out. You, you've got some struggles in, in your homes, maybe with your marriages, maybe with your kids, maybe with rel- different other relatives. Fi- there's all financially, there's all kinds of struggles that we walk into this room where we have heavy hearts. You know, you're trying to live a, a, a righteous life. You're trying to live a, right, a, a life of righteousness and love, but it's become a daily struggle in your, in your life right now. Not to live a life of righteousness and love, but life itself has become a daily struggle. It, it, it's not the joy that it once was. You know, I hear people all the time, as, oh, man, bring back the 90s, you know. <laughs> Things were a little simpler. I remember, I remember I'm thinking to myself sometimes, I, bring back the Cold War. <laughs> Who remembers the Cold War? You know, well, you remember that? Oh, the Russians are going to do this. The Russians are going to do the U.S., you know, the Soviet Union, yada, yada. It was like, you know, for years and years. And all we did was struggle with one big enemy. Now it seems like there's enemies at every turn. Everyone's an enemy. Everyone's a, every, an enemy at our door all the time at every corner. And it gets a little bit overwhelming. Life is not as simple as it used to be. Some of the joy gets pulled out of our lives. Well, I want to read you a story that I'm going to build on for the remainder of our time. It's a really familiar story. It's in Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 36. It says, in reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. But he put the, then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? You know, as Christians, we sometimes read these Bible stories from one perspective. We don't, we don't see it from different, different angles. We don't see all the possibilities. We read it. We kind of say, yeah, this is, uh, you know, it's good Samaritan. And we don't, again, we don't look beyond that. Well, this, this morning, I want to I kind of look beyond that. Um, I, I, 
in this case, you know, when we talk about, you know, just focusing on the same person, the same story, it's the Good Samaritan, you know, and that's, and that's the way it should be for, for, the most, for the most part. You read the story about the Good Samaritan, you want to talk about the Good Samaritan. But this morning, I want to change it up, and I want to focus our attention on the guy who Jesus kind of describes as half-dead. So we're going to talk about the half-dead guy, all right? We'll switch it around. We'll talk about the half-dead guy this morning. The one who's robbed and who's beaten, kind of left on the side of the road. This guy was minding his own business, right? Walking down the road, not doing anything wrong. And these people, these, these robbers jump out and they beat him. They, they, they assault him. They ambush him. And they leave him for dead. You know, sometimes on our journey with Christ, we, we get unexpectedly ambushed. Ever notice that? Sometimes in our journey with Christ, even if we're walking in footstep with Jesus Christ, even if we're trying to live a life of righteousness and love, sometimes in our journey with Jesus Christ, we get ambushed. We get ambushed. It's nothing that we've done. We get ambushed. An unexpected illness seizes us. We had no idea it was coming. We went to the doctor for a routine checkup and found out. And this illness, this unexpected illness seizes us. Maybe someone we love or, you know, we're taking someone in to get your, your parents or whatever. And you find out the doctor gives you some of that unexpected news. Sometimes it's a, a, an unexpected bill or a financial uh, struggle that you're facing that, that, that ambushes you, that seizes you. Even our relationships can sometimes, you know, we're, we're not expecting it. We get an unexpected beating from our relationships. You're saying, you know, if it's my family or it's my closest friends, I wouldn't expect to get that from them. But sometimes in life, we just get these unexpected beatings. Here's my point. This man didn't do anything wrong. The man who's laying on the side of the road here, half dead, didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't his fault. We go through struggles sometimes and we take a beating. But you know what? Sometimes it isn't your fault. I'll tell you the truth. Most of the time, if you're you're trying to live a life of righteousness and faith, many times when we go through these difficulties, we have done nothing wrong. It is not our fault. Just because you're getting hammered this morning, not specifically this morning, I'm not going to hammer you. But just because you're getting hammered in life doesn't mean you have done anything wrong. It may not be your fault. You know, you're going along living that life of love. And if you're doing that and you're living a life of righteousness and love, it doesn't mean that you may not still end up on the side of the road bloodied and in pain. You know exactly what I'm talking about. This is life. We live in a fallen world, surrounded by fallen people, with an enemy who wants to constantly disrupt our lives, make us miserable, drag us down, affect us in some way so that we don't fulfill the purpose for which we were created. Proverbs 21, 21 says, you should live a life of of righteousness and love, and then you'll receive these things. You'll be prosperous. You'll be honored. And we want to do that. And many of you are living that kind of life. To the best of your ability, you really are trying to live a life of righteousness and love. But you say to yourself, yeah, I am. I am, Pastor, but but I I fall short. I fall short. 
And then you feel like because you fall short, that's the reason you're not prospering. That's the reason you lost your job, or that's the reason this happened or that happened. You struggled here, or you got ambushed, or you got beat up, or you got you know side you know side swiped, or whatever the case may be in life. Because somehow somehow you're not prospering because in some way you didn't measure up to God in, to God's standards. And because you didn't measure up to God's standards, somehow He's getting you. He's gonna get you. God doesn't get you. That's not what God does. God disciplines those he loves. He disciplines, yes, definitely. Do I get disciplined sometimes in life? Yes. God will allow me to go through a certain thing or he'll, he'll put me in such a place that I can learn and grow or he'll show me a certain thing in my life where I'll, I'm not recognizing, maybe I'm, maybe I'm arrogant over here or maybe I'm, I'm struggling over there or maybe I'm doing something over here. Whatever it is, God will put me in situations or he'll show me a way that he'll teach me things to help me become less of what I was before. But sometimes, and it's, it's, this, it's this human thing, because it's not biblical, sometimes we just, if something happens, we think, you know, we're not measuring up, or if I was doing this, or if I were doing that, or if I were living this way, this wouldn't be happening, because somehow God's, he's, he's getting me for something I did in the past. That is, that is not the way God functions. That's not, that's not his character. Let me, let me give you some scripture, and I want everyone to write this down. Write it down. Let me give you some scripture that you can that you can hear and that you can apply to your life. It's Psalm 103, verses 10 through 13. Listen to what it says. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. That's the truth. What you conjure up in your mind theologically, or in, I don't even say it theology, what you conjure up in your mind, or maybe what you've been taught before. Maybe you grew up in a situation where that was taught or in a church where that was taught. This is the God who we serve. See, our unfortunate friend here in the story of the Good Samaritan didn't do anything wrong. He wasn't being punished for what he did. He wasn't walking down the road, minding his own business, not doing anything. It doesn't say he did anything wrong. He's walking down the road and God decides, oh, 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 you thought I forgot, did you? Remember a year ago? Well, I remembered. Now I'm going to tell these bad. You know what I'm saying? Like somehow God just decided, well, no, no, I have to get you for that one. Not letting that one go. You thought I forgot about it. It's like your parent, you know what I mean? You kind of stay quiet, hope they forget that punishment. It's not how God works. God's not holding a grudge, waiting for an opportunity for bandits to jump out or somehow hit you with lightning or somehow make your life miserable because some of you don't measure up or you. That's not how God works. The good, this, this, this half-dead guy, as we're calling him, didn't do anything wrong. He wasn't deserving of what happened to him. You know, I'll tell you something else. If you've done something wrong, you're thinking to yourself right now, well, you know what? He didn't do anything wrong, but I certainly did, and I'm waiting for the big hammer to fall. If you've done something wrong, great thing about being a believer in Jesus Christ. If you've done something wrong and you've asked for forgiveness, you've asked God to forgive you, confessed your sin, asked God to forgive you, you are in good standing with God. You are forgiven. You're forgiven. You understand that? It's really clear. If in your heart you confessed your sin and asked for forgiveness, it's as simple as this. You are forgiven. 
And it says, as far as the east is from the west, he not only forgives you, he forgets about it. He chooses to forget. Now, that's difficult for humans. We say forgive and forget. Humans can't forget the same way God can forget. But God chooses, because he can, to forget. So he's not bringing up things from a year ago or six months ago or two days ago. He chooses to forget. You're in good standing with God. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9 reminds us that the way of righteousness and love can take away our self-imposed guilt. If you're living a life of righteousness and love and you're drawing near to Christ, you understand who he is and and you understand what I just described. And it's a remedy against the self-imposed guilt that you have in your life. Some of you grew up in other church denominations and backgrounds. And maybe that church or denomination, whatever it is, maybe, maybe they were big into guilt and shame. I know so many people come out of backgrounds and they are loaded down with all this shame and all this guilt. And I think I was thinking to myself this week, how sad is it that Jesus Christ came to earth and died on a cross to relieve us of that guilt and that shame and that condemnation? But then we go in a, we go in a situation or in a church or a religious background where they pile that on. Or maybe you grow up in a household. Don't raise your hand. People in the first service almost had their hands up. But maybe you grew up in a household where your mother or your father used guilt all the time. They were just, they're experts on guilt. You know, you, you couldn't make a move. They never let you forget it. And so you have this guilt kind of complex. Living a life of righteousness and love allows us to lay aside that, that self-imposed guilt. Righteousness and love lead to truth. And truth teaches us to let go of the guilt and the shame. It teaches us there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the truth. That is the truth. This man laying on the side of the road bleeding and in pain didn't do anything wrong. He wasn't being punished for missing the mark and doing something wrong. You're not being punished you are not being punished by God for something in the past that somehow you, if you've confessed it and you've asked forgiveness, you've been forgiven. You're going through what you're going through right now because we live in a fallen world and there's obviously, I could go on and explain to you if you don't confess your sin, there's sin in your life, obviously God is going to do what he needs to do in order to bring you to repentance. We all know, you understand that. What I'm saying to you is that if you've done that, don't let, the, don't let Satan come in and lie to you and tell you that somehow you don't measure up, pile all this guilt and shame and condemnation on you so that you think God is the one doing this to you so that you're distanced from God and you can't even, you can't even engage the one who wants to love you, who wants to support you, who wants to nurture you. So here's this guy lying on the side of the road for a long time while people are just passing him by. So first off, you have this, we get in our, our minds some the idea that somehow God is doing certain things to us, and so we separate ourselves from God. We feel that guilt, and we don't, we don't want to read, we don't want to pray, we kind of feel like God is going to get us, or he's upset, or he's angry. All things that we project on him that he's not thinking, okay, and, not, and that's not responding that way. And then along, we have another, we have another part here where our man is, is, laying in, uh, uh, is laying in a ditch, and all these people are passing him by. I'm going to tell you something. You think about that. 
It's bad enough to be wounded and robbed, but to be in pain and to be ignored by the very people that you would think would reach out and love and support you, that's, that, that's hard to bear. That's a greater blow than even the physical pain. You know, the, the kind of pain, that, that kind of pain is often difficult for us to, 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 uh, to grasp. Physical pain will fade. You know, ow, that hurt. You know, you you get over that. A broken arm, you know, whatever the case may be. The physical pain. But it's that emotional pain. It's that heartbreak that lingers. It takes a lot longer to get over heartbreak, to get over disappointment. And the fact that we thought that we were going to have that kind of support when we're going through a difficulty, but we don't have it. And this person didn't have it. This half-dead man didn't have it. And so he's laying on the side of the road. He's kind of seen, I'm sure he was giving up hope as people were passing him by, thought it was the very end. Then along comes the hero of the story, the Good Samaritan. We're still not going to talk about him that much, though. Along comes the Good Samaritan. Here's what I want to say about the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan was the last person in this story that we would think would come and help this other person. He's, he's, the, he's the most unexpected hero. Very unexpected. You got a priest, you got a Levite. You know, these are the religious leaders. These are people who you would expect to come along and help. The, the Good Samaritan was the most unexpected person to come along and help. See, when we live a life of righteousness and love, we find help when we least expect it. You say, well, you know, you just told me if a little life of righteousness and love, I could still be end up in a ditch bleeding. What's the, <laughs> so why would I do that? Because the way God has designed this world and designed his people and designed everything, when you live a life of righteousness and love, you will find help. You will find support. You will find it where you least, where you very least expect it. It comes from the most unexpected places and from the most unexpected people. From the most unexpected places and the most unexpected people. Think about it. And, you know, um, that check that you got in the mail. Remember that check you got in the mail that you had no, you did not expect at all. That unexpected check. Boy, you were maybe it was around Christmas, or maybe it was after Christmas, or or maybe it was when you your your mortgage was due, or your light was due, or something was due, and you're really struggling. You needed to pay for your kids' school supplies, or whatever else the case may be. You didn't know where you're going to get, and all of a sudden the check shows up in the mail, or that unexpected job. Someone offered you a job totally out of the blue. You, you, had, you had that interview, you know, four or five months ago. You thought nothing of it. And then all of a sudden you're, you're thinking, Lord, you know, we're, I have no other um, opportunities here. And the person calls and says, hey, we'd like you to come in. And they hire you. They give you the job. That unexpected act of kindness from someone that you didn't even know. You didn't even know. Someone told me this week that uh, they were standing online in the store and they were like $20 short. They, didn't, they, they wouldn't take the card that uh, the person had and, uh, you know, all these yada yada. And, and so they were standing online. You've been there. You, you've been in that situation. You know, you swipe the card or whatever the case may be and you didn't have enough funds in the bank. And so instead of, instead of just, they were totally embarrassed and totally, you know, like, oh, you know, people online. And the two people right behind them put up the $20. Rescued. When you least expect it, instead of the people standing behind you going, hey, man, if you don't have the money, why'd you come into the store? You know, get out of the way. Just move aside. Instead, the people who are behind them put up the $20. When we least expect it, those acts of kindness, 
I want to read you another true story. A car went through a stop sign into an intersection. With nowhere to go or time to get there, the taxi I was driving hit the car head on. For the next three months, I was out of work. I had no savings to speak of, no family to help me. I was in dire straits to be sure. The lady who ran the stop sign had little insurance, barely enough to cover the medical expenses, with little left over to pay my living expenses. Just after the accident, Justin, a co-worker, came to see me in the hospital. We knew each other and worked well together, but we were not what one might consider to be good friends. He asked me what I was going to do and you know, what was going to happen to me, and I told him I didn't know. I was in deep financial trouble, and until a settlement could be reached, homelessness was a possibility. Justin reached into his, his wallet and took out $200 and handed it to me. For the first three months, for the next three months, every Thursday, he would come and give me $200. He worked extra shifts, never asked when or if he was going to get the money back. His generosity was boundless and selfless. I was, I was and shall forever be overwhelmed by his act of loving kindness and compassion. When, we settled, when the settlement finally came, I took Justin to the lawyer's office, and he was given a check for twice the amount that he had generously given to me. Then the lawyer asked him to wait outside while we concluded our business. The lawyer told me that all my debts had been paid, but there was nothing left for me and asked why I had given so much to Justin. When I told him, he asked me to wait outside again. Then he called me back in and handed me a check for $5,000 to help me get reestablished. The lawyer and the doctor had reduced their fees. The story doesn't end there. Because of Justin's act of kindness, I have done my best to be the, kind, the same kind of friend to others. The greatest lesson he taught me was that to be truly generous, one must be grateful for the blessings bestowed upon them. You have no idea how many stories I hear throughout the week, okay, and the months that when we spend time together, that people tell me just like this about, the, about what has been done to them through people in our church, through life groups, especially in our life groups, people who are engaged within the body of Christ, people who are in different uh, women's Bible studies or in men's Bible studies. They're, they're connected, and they tell me stories of how people have come along and not only given cars when they needed it or even housing when they needed it, food, whatever, when they were sick, people coming alongside of them, whatever their needs were there, were, there were people within the body of Christ to meet those needs. And it's such an encouragement for me to hear those stories of, of the body of Christ coming alongside of each other. Let me tell you something. The Christian life, living a Christian life, is the best life that you can possibly choose to live, especially as you live that life in community with other believers. I want to encourage you with all of my heart. I want so much for every single person in this church to feel connected, to be connected so that when you're going through a difficult time, when you're sick, when you lose someone who's close to you, when you're, when you're struggling financially, those people will know how to pray and know how to meet those needs. You'll have people around you who will love you and support you. You won't have people just walking by. You know, so many times in a church something happens to someone, and because they may have been coming for years, but they're, they're not really connected to the body, and then something happens, and they say, well, where? I was, I was gone for a month, or I was gone for two weeks, and no one ever even came to say anything to me. No one called, and no one wrote, or no one said, because no one knew. No one knew. And you're feeling like you're being abandoned. And I'm not thinking of anyone specific. I'm just talking church in general. I've heard these stories all my life. 
But people feel abandoned or passed by by people they think should be involved in their lives, and they should be. But the way we get, to, the way we get involvement in each other's lives is to spend time together, to know what a person is going through, to be an answer to that other person's prayer because you, you, you hear their sorrows, you are invested in their lives, you're doing life together. That's what we need to be doing, life together. And I love to hear the stories coming out of our life groups and coming out of our small groups and coming out of all these, these men's and women's Bible studies and the things that go on during the, the week. I love to hear those stories, but I want those stories to happen to every single person that is hearing me right now. I want, you to, I want to make sure that you feel that you are connected in every way possible. And I want to do everything on my power to get you connected in every way possible. Women's Bible studies, there's a, there's a table out here in the foyer. There's a six or seven women's Bible studies right now meeting in all different times during the week, in the morning and at night, during the afternoon. There's child care for some. There, there's all kinds, for men, seven o'clock men's Bible study up at, uh, at Kid Coffee on Talisville Road. I know it's, it's early in the morning. Seven o'clock in the morning, we spend about an hour together. We're, we're building into each other's lives, understanding what each other are what we're going through, being able to pray through difficulties with each other, there's an investment there. I want to make sure you feel like you are a part of this family, this community. Not that you're being ever passed by. That would break my heart that something would happen to you and that really no one would know about it. And that we wouldn't be able to be there to be the one to lift you up, put you on the back of our whatever it is, carry you to wherever you need to go and take care of whatever needs that you have. We have people in this church set up. You know, Gerald Prophet, she ever, anything happens and we let her know, meals are lined up for people all the time. We have those things in place, but we just need to know. I don't want anyone falling through the proverbial cracks. You know what I mean? That where you get left behind in some way. We have a God who loves us, who loves us so much he wants to meet all of our needs. We are surrounded by people that I, that I truly believe love us. They just need to know when we're going through a difficult time. So I believe the Christian life is the best life to live, especially when you're living life in community. Does it always work out the way we planned? No, it doesn't. It doesn't always work out the way we planned. But listen, even though when we, when we, we come to Christ and we live a Christian life, we're living a life of love and, 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 and compassion and faithfulness, does it work out all the time? No, it doesn't work out all the time. But listen to me, you're never alone. When you live a life with Jesus Christ, you are never alone. Not only do you have Jesus Christ as the head taking care of you, meeting your needs, meeting those emotional needs. He's always there. He'll never leave you or forsake you. You have a body of Christ around you who wants to be Christ's hands and feet and words of encouragement to you in difficult times. We are never alone when we live our lives according to the word of God. God comes along when we least expect it in ways we never expected when we live for him, when we least expect in ways we never expected. If you're feeling discouraged this morning, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if, if you're feeling like, you know, like you're confused by your circumstances, you don't understand why you're going through what you're going through, stay the course. We, we're going, we've gone through the book of Proverbs. Let wisdom guide you. Let his word, let his wisdom guide you. And you will have, my friends, you will have that abundant life 
that, that, that prosperous life, that life that will be honored, that honored life. You will have those things. You will, God promises that. I want you to stand up as we close. Stand up. I don't care if you have to go across, but lock, link hands with the person next to you. If you have to come together or whatever you need to do, but slide this way, slide that way. Let's all connect to each other. Let's all be connected. If you're, if you're in the front right by yourself, just move back and grab someone's hand. Connect. Come this way. You know, someone give in and go that way. Move that way. Connect with someone over here. Grab a right hand. Grab a left hand. Best you can. <laughs> okay, now I want you to bow your heads and we're going to pray together. Lord God, as we close out our time this morning, and Lord, we know that our lives can be really difficult. And Lord, as life gets more and more hectic with the start of school, maybe taking our, our, our kids to college, and the stress that causes in our lives, the heartache that is in our lives, as we hear of unexpected discouraging news, maybe from our doctor or for, from someone else who's learned that they're struggling with something, Lord God, who's close to us. As, as we face uncertainty and it's financial situation we're facing in our country, but in our own homes we're facing an uncertain financial future. We're struggling with bills and how we're going to pay this bill and how we're going to keep our head above water. Lord God, as we deal with the stresses and, and the loneliness, Lord God, we can be surrounded by people at work, surrounded by people at school, surrounded by people all the time and still be completely lonely. People have no idea what's going on in our hearts and our heads. They have no, if they knew what we were thinking and what we were feeling, but they don't. And we feel alone, alone in a crowd. And I want you now to pray this prayer with me. Not out loud, just say it to yourself. Lord God, with all my heart, I pray for the person to my right. And just maybe give that person's hand a little squeeze. The person on the left's gone. That's not your right, that's your left. <laughs> but they'll take it. They'll take double prayers. Lord, I pray for the person on my right. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would encourage them. I pray, Lord God, that you would answer their prayers in such a way that they would feel your presence. I pray, dear God, that they would not feel alone and abandoned, discouraged, feel beaten up, ambushed, and left half dead. God, I pray for those people. I pray for that person to my right that you would intervene in their lives and that maybe, Lord God, maybe I would get to know them in such a way that I could intervene in their lives, that I would pray for them without even knowing them, Lord God, this week, that I would pray for them that you would meet their needs. God, I pray for the person on my left. I pray, dear God, that you would comfort them that you would strengthen them, that you would show them grace and mercy and love and forgiveness, that you would alleviate all the guilt and the shame and the condemnation that, that is being placed upon their shoulders, the lies that they're being told, Lord God. I pray that you would release them of all those things, that they would feel the freedom in Christ that only you can provide. 
bless their lives. May they walk with you in newness of life. And God, as we hold hands here this morning in unity and love, let our righteousness and love spill over, spill, spill over out of our lives and into the lives of others. That we would so love you and be so dedicated to you and so serve you that, Lord God, we would not be able to leave this place without realizing the importance of why you put us here and that you would use us in each other's lives, in every area, Lord God, whatever it is, whatever the needs are, that we would rise up and help and encourage each other. This is your body. We want to walk in your footsteps. And regardless if Satan throws obstacles in our way or beats us and leaves us on the side of the road, Lord, we will not be defeated because we have you and we have each other. Maybe march forward going into September, Lord God, reaching out to those who don't know you and loving each other. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. If you would like to stay, 1245, we're going to have some pizza back there, especially